Have you ever thought about starting a cult? Yes. You have? <laughs> yeah. Legitimately? I didn't think about starting a cult. I actually just kind of had the, the uh, a thought that it wouldn't be that hard to accomplish. Well, what? But what is a cult, though? I mean, a cult is a group of brainwashed people who have a leader that instructs them to do particular things. It's not necessarily a bad thing, actually. Yeah. Could be good. I was just thinking about cults yesterday, like, like with brands. Brands are cults to to a certain degree. I mean, obviously, like definitely true with Apple. Yeah. Well, you know, you hear you hear people all the time say, "Oh, you're in that cult," you know, because yeah, you got a an iPhone or whatever. But I mean, you have you know, like Coke. Some people like Coke. Some people like Pepsi. You know, and they're kind of married to that. I mean, it's. I would say the the cult of apples to the point now where it actually is. A negative thing like where before it was benign it wasn't necessarily good or bad but now it's to the point where like literally people are bringing their laptops to apple and apple is basically looking at them and going oh yeah i mean basically to fix this you're gonna have to buy a new laptop and and because people are so subscribed to it and they just trust what apple says now they just hand over more money and buy a new laptop it's like really becoming an issue well, they're kind of stuck too because all their data and all that kind of good stuff is, you know, on that computer and and to transfer it over. The easiest way to do it is just to, to stay with that product. Definitely, if you, especially if you don't know much about computers to begin with, which I don't know what the percentage of people in the population that would uh would be, but I would imagine it'd be pretty high. Yeah, I mean, it used to be. I guess Apple was more for professional people who knew more about computers and how they worked, but now they're definitely leaned more into being a consumer product. It's not that I wanted to start my own cult, but I started to realize, and there was a period when a lot of people that I was around were taking like acid, for example. Okay. And I could see right away that some people were very quick to jump on any train that kind of pulled up to the station, right? Like very impressionable people that you could you could sell them an idea and they would just jump on board really quick so you know i think i think a lot of people do that i think a lot of people like they find people that are like that and then they you know get them to jump on their train sure well i mean i was and the reason i was even the way i started thinking about the way i came to thinking about cults is i was thinking you know like with the band with a band situation you know, you're getting followers. So if you're getting followers, that means you're the leader, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And so to really, to have any kind of success, I mean, you're basically starting your own cult. People to subscribe to the way you're thinking or, or the things you're putting out, you know? Yeah, sure. And sometimes it's probably uh, unintentional. Sure. Yeah. But, but when you, I think the thing that I pulled away from was like, I was like, Oh, well, like, Cause I, I mean, I, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty like, uh, charming personality type, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like I started realizing that people were coming around and like trying to, trying to think of an example, but I don't know if I have one. Uh, it would have been very easy to, to, for me to connect the dots and be like, oh, okay. If I really wanted to, this is, this is basically what Manson would have done. Yeah. You know, like he just catered to that person's thing, their needs, and then planted seeds. And eventually he had a bunch of people that were like this. My point was, is that 
I sort of realized that with that kind of power, you know, it's like you have to be pretty responsible. But what's the quote? With great power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. Right. So like if you're aware of your power to be impressionable of others, then you should aim to be at least benign. So that, but I think that's what <laughs> separates cults from whatever not being exactly a cult is. I don't know what the word for that would be, but well, it gets a negative connotation, yeah, because of the guy who made the people drink the Kool Aid, yeah, or Manson or or, <laughs> or uh, Manson. Koresh or uh, whoever, right? Yeah. But for in the case of like, I've been getting really into hot yoga recently, like really into it, like I love it, like I'm probably gonna continue to do this for the rest of my life but that guy Bikram there's a documentary on Netflix about oh he's the hot yoga guy yeah yeah oh he started he started oh, okay yeah I so, started I started the I started the documentary but I didn't finish it up perfect example of someone who started with the best of intentions and and, and, and I mean there's nothing wrong with his yoga apparently but apparently this documentary I haven't seen it but apparently the documentary is less than makes him out to be less than a normal person. He raped some people. Yeah, it seems that there's a common theme that uh, that cult leaders are just really horny dudes. I mean, I guess all dudes are kind of horny, but, I mean, to that extent, like, it's always that sexual element of having all the women that you want, you know, that even if it involves your uh, parishioners' yeah, wives or daughters in some cases. Anything involving control is, like, pretty can be a sexual thing for sure yeah so you but you you really enjoy the the hot yoga i love it yeah, yeah. what is it that you like about the hot yoga hot yoga is the craziest it feels like the craziest thing i've ever done physically with my body um i'm pushing myself to a limit that i didn't even know existed before um every time i do it i'm like i'm gonna die yeah, I swear, like this, this is it. Like I'm definitely gonna die. My heart's beating out of my chest. I can barely breathe. I'm breathing, but breathing is like all that I can do in some places, and it's so heavy, and you feel just your your whole body temperature is through the roof. You're in these uh, yoga poses for sometimes up to two or three minutes, holding your balance, and it's 105 degrees in there. And it gets hotter the more, the further you go. Like, oh, it's a 90-minute class. So yeah. you're in there sweating, and the body temperature keeps rising with all the people in the room. And But afterwards, man, like the, the bliss that you get from it, and also the mental aspect of not only is it like carving my body in ways that I've had been wanting to carve in a, you know, for a while. Yeah. Um, the mental aspect of it is like, man, fuck, if I can get through that, I can fucking do anything. Like, that's the most challenging thing I've ever done. Well, I, I saw a headline recently, and, and and that's all I saw. I didn't actually read the story. So, and, and actually, I'd like to talk about headlines one day if we keep doing podcasts. But uh, the headline was basically that there's no proof that hot yoga is any more beneficial than regular regular yoga. But there you, may not be. Yeah. But you feel different, so it's it's beneficial to you in that in that way, and that you feel different. You feel that it's getting parts of your body that that yoga was not. I mean, I'm seeing. I did so. I did yoga. I've done yoga for over five years. Yeah. So I did 
regular yoga for that uh, amount of time. I mean, granted, I, sometimes I was more on and more off. Sure. But in the past three months of going to yoga, hot yoga once a week, mm-hmm. I've seen my body cut in places that never were cut from five years of doing regular yoga. What, any particular parts of your body that it cuts up more than uh yeah like around <clears throat> my uh rib cage okay. um, my sides um my torso area the mostly really that part is just like i'm starting to get abs ab muscles that I, that i never saw before and also more just tonal muscle tone definition in just in general um my arms my shoulders um i'm also my flexibility has increased probably 20% in the past three months. Wow. Whereas, like, it took five years for me to get where I was. And then, like, all of a sudden, I'm, like, getting getting to be more flexible even faster. I think it has a lot to do with the heat, probably. Your body is more susceptible to being able to move. So when you can get your body stretched into some of those positions and hold it there for a little minute then getting back there next the next week isn't as difficult. Yeah, I think there I definitely see a difference. I don't know if it's what science says, but so getting back to starting our own cult. So <laughs> I'm just joking. Um yeah, so hey, what's up with Kevin Spacey, man? What's the deal with him? I mean, I just saw the thing you saw you sent me the other day. So he puts out this video uh, on Christmas Eve, and he's in front of the campfire, and yeah. the whole theme is killing with kindness. You know, hey, you guys were so quick to judge me, but you know, nobody's really come. Uh, no charges have been filed, you know. So, but <laughs> so this, he had a he had a so on Christmas Day, <coughs> another one of his confu- uh, uh, um, another one of his alleged what's the word I'm looking for victims victims. Um, Killed himself. Now, oh, shit. Right? Wow. Can you Google that? Or I'll look it up and see. So this is the second one to die. And I don't know if the other one was suicide as well. See, I didn't know that. That that makes the whole thing a little darker. Well, yeah. And I mean, the thing is... could kill him with kindness. Yeah. Well, not only that, but <clears throat> think about this. His character, who he played, and which, to me, he's channeling that character in these videos. Definitely the first one that he put out at the beginning, the uh, at the beginning of the year, um, and this one kind of. But he's channeling that whole Frank Underwood uh, character from the the Netflix show. I've never seen that show, so I don't. What's the name of the show again? House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah, right. So let me see. Uh, let me do a little googling here. Um, Kevin Spacey. So yeah, like one of the things was thrown out. One of the cases was thrown out. I mean, I don't know if he's, he may be off the hook completely now. Kevin Spacey, first thing comes up. Third death this year of Kevin Spacey accusers. This is coming from Yahoo News. Let's see. Um, Now, did that happen before or after he posted the Kill Him With Kindness thing? He died on died by suicide on Christmas Day. And he posted the video when? Christmas Eve. Or the twenty third or the twenty fourth. It could have been the twenty third. So it's, that's pretty bizarre. Okay. Earlier this year, Spacey whistleblower Linda Culkin <laughs> died at fifty nine after being struck by a car. 
Months later, a massage therapist who accused Spacey of sexual battery and assault also died suddenly. Now, it doesn't say how that person died. Let's see. But I think they, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they were um, thinking it was suicide. And I could be wrong about that. That's really bizarre. Right? And these videos are so, they're gangster to me. I mean, like, to put that out and to be so, like. Brazen about but, it. But, I mean, he's not, Gil, he's not been convicted of any crimes. So are we looking at it the wrong way? I mean, these are people who are accusing him. And I'm not saying that, that, that they weren't, that they're not legitimate. They, right. pro- they probably are. I mean, he seems like the kind of dude who would use his power, you know, to do that. But, you know. I don't know that to be the case. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's it's either, and neither neither thing is very, very good, but it seems like either, <laughs> I don't think Kevin Spacey's hiring a hitman to kill these people. Sure. No, it's just. <laughs> Especially if he's innocent, which, which he seems confident that he is by yeah. his post. But maybe it's karma. Maybe. maybe. He's, Maybe these people felt guilty for what they were doing, and genuinely, it's hard to say. Like yeah. I don't know. So very, so know? very bizarre. Also, did you see where uh, George Michael's sister died uh, on Christmas Day? Three no. years after George Michael died on Christmas Day. No. So they both died on Christmas Day. Interesting. Now I'm thinking that Elton John had that done. Because, <laughs> because uh, she had come out and see Elton's got a new book out and he has some stories about George Michael and I think it was something about that George Michael never being comfortable with his sexuality or or whatever the case was and and she had just recently come out and kind of uh, kind of took some digs at uh, Elton John and uh, so now she's gone. Huh. Yeah. Could have been Elton. I'm not sure if it was by her hand or by you know. Well, Elton's got a temper. Elton's got a pretty good temper. So, let's see. Um, I don't know if he committed suicide, or she committed suicide, or, or what. Or if they know. Who knows? I'll, I'll that's, that's, that's wild. You watched any good movies lately? Yes. So, we went to see um, the new Star Wars. Okay. But we went to see it in 4DX, which 4DX. is something I did not even know existed until two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, do you know about 4DX? I do not. Okay. Okay, so... 4DX okay. is fucking awesome. <laughs> okay. The seats move, right? Do you get smells too? You get smells. Oh, shut up. You get lightning. <laughs> you get fog. You get water. You get air, breeze, fans. Yeah. Uh, they have like these little things that shoot uh, by your ears and the back of your neck. They shoot air. So every time there's like a pew pew. What? So what? So what? So where can I go see a 40x? Uh, in Atlanta, I think the only one is at Atlantic Station. So what movies? Which movies? Right now, I think it's just Star Wars. Wow. As a matter of fact, I I think that they, it's the first one. Is I that think. not okay? To begin with, is that not a little annoying? Or it took about fifteen minutes to get where it was a little distracting at first, but once yeah. you get into it and you know like what to expect, you're like, oh, this is badass. This is great. Yeah, the seats move and like pan with the camera, and the movie's in 3D too. Yeah, so it's pretty immersive experience when you're like in the the jungle scenes where it's like feels damp. I feel like I could I could smell the mustiness in the air. Really. Yeah, and then they have in during the fight scenes they have these little 
they're like little fists that come out in your back. They don't like punch you hard, but imagine if you were like this far away from your back and this thing just was like. A couple inches you're showing me, two or three inches, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just hitting you in the back. So when you see Kylo Ren like fall on the ground, you feel it in your back. Wow. Yeah, it's great. You can turn the water off if you don't like the water. But there's like a water scene in Star Wars. So no, what happens with the water? You get sprayed with water? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a mist, right? Um, it's like little dr- drops, like little. It's really great. It's really interesting. <laughs> I'm wondering how long before they, before adult theaters get this technology. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to go to see that? You know? I mean, Kurzweil says that's going to happen by. 2030 2027 Kurzweil says what that that will definitely be a thing that happens by the like like the 2030 he predicted I don't what are you talking about Kurzweil Ray Kurzweil is like a futurist guy okay and what so, is he, what does he talk about so he's just predicted all sorts of things based on the rate of technology so like basically he's an inventor too so basically what he does is because he uses his knowledge on how technology is going to grow to invent things before they're technologically possible to create. So like if you knew like in 10 years that the technology would be around for you to create a reading machine for the blind, you'd have patented it before that technology came around. And then when the technology was around, then you'd create the thing and you'd win a Nobel Prize. Or I don't think he's won a Nobel Prize, but um, he definitely invented the first synthesized piano Kurzweil pianos that's him oh wait so it's the same guy same guy yeah okay so he wrote this book is that right so he's written several books but one of them is the age of spiritual machines um and i've read that one and he basically says that um eventually once they once they're able to reverse engineer the brain to to a pretty close level which they're pretty i think they're pretty close to being able to do already they can hook you up to a machine that will feed your brain basically pulses that will trigger what would it feel like to have your penis inside a woman. <laughs> so if you're, because it's all connected to your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the feeling, they can trigger the same things in your brain externally. So he was saying in his one of his books that um, you could be in LA and your wife could be in Tokyo. And you both hook your brains up into the system. You're connected via the internet. She's doing her thing. You're doing your thing. And your brain can't tell the difference between wow. if you're really having sex or not. Huh. And he, it leads to a whole bunch of other questions like, well, then what is cheating? Like, Sure, is, yeah. Then you could, just in theory, Deal have with sex with else. anyone. And no one would ever really know. Because you'd never get an STD. You'd never get, really get anyone pregnant. But... So outside the, yeah. So what else does he say in this book? Um, let's see. Oh well, the whole essence, the whole idea, or the main topic behind spiritual machines is this idea of um, when AI gets to a certain point, um, will we will we be able to recognize it from from you or I? And if uh, if a robot is programmed to say that it has feelings, then who are we to not believe it? which is a very interesting concept to me. Yeah, it's very interesting. So like, uh, okay, so if you programmed a robot to basically have to react and feel and all these things, and then you had to take its batteries out, 
and it begged you not to right because it likes existing then would you then he he goes on and on to basically describe what the next civil rights movement will be in his mind so that's funny that you say that that you say that about um robots because um andrew yang which i don't know that you've ever actually uh checked him out but he's 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 talking about the the uh the we're already in the next industrial revolution with robots definitely and with amazon and with you know assembly lines so forth and so on and people losing their jobs to robots Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well come on you can do better than that yeah i'm trying to be polite yeah if you're gonna burp burp you know give it your all that's very interesting i definitely want to check that out check out as well so what was the name of the book again uh the one I've read, The Age of Spiritual Machines, but he has another one called The Singularity is Near, which deals more with technology and less about AI. I feel like um, the singularity is what's been called. Like, so the way that he pans it out is like uh, technology keeps increasing at a exponential rate, yeah. right? Well, the singularity is what's going to happen is the moment of time when it exceeds our ability to keep up with it. Wow. So at a certain point, AI will be auto-updating itself, writing itself, publishing itself, and there will be a limit on what we can actually do about it. Um, and, and us physiologically would not have the ability to even keep up. I'll have to check that book out. That sounds, that sounds very, I mean, I mean, it sounds very interesting. It sounds kind of scary at the same time. It's very sci-fi. Yeah. And, you know, who knows. If that'll ever happen or if it'll happen in our, in our lifetime. But his track record's been pretty good. Yeah. Like, everything he's predicted has been pretty spot on. What has he predicted? He's been doing this for, I don't know, 40 years. What has he predicted that has come true? Do you know? Um, well, most notably, I think, uh, the size of processors. Okay. So, and he basically uses that seemingly as the backbone for his entire, other the rest of his productions because the processor power is basically opens up doors to different things. So I think he, I think he predicted. um, Here's here's a good example. Me and you love chess. He predicted the the moment in time on a rough scale that a computer would beat a human. Oh, really? In chess? In chess? Wow. And this and is he still alive? Yes. Okay. How? Okay. So here's another interesting thing okay. about Kurzweil. <laughs> He's super into um, reverse engineering his DNA to make him live longer, because he thinks he believes that at a certain point they'll be able to back up your brain and put you in a robot. Now here's my question: So reverse engineer his DNA. Does that mean that we could... Reprogramming his DNA, really, is the real question. Yeah. Is what what I think he would probably call it. Because he's not really changing anything that's there. He's slowing down his aging. Gotcha. So, and he does this apparently by... I mean, there's a documentary about it. Um, where, can you, where is it's that? It's called Transcendental Man. Okay. I think it's on... It's probably on Netflix, honestly. It's probably on a million things by now. But it's a it's a documentary about him and his pursuit to stay essentially young forever and he's built this regimen with a doctor uh based on science that if you take these he takes probably 200 supplements a day okay Kurzweil does and he's not the only one like one of the main people who is on this path with him is William Shatner 
if you look a picture of William Shatner, <laughs> yeah, in the past year, he's he's remarkably old for his age. Like, how old is William Shatner? Look he's got to be in his eighties. Hold on, I'll right. Google it. He does not look it. We need somebody to Google for us. Yeah, I see now why people have this. Yeah, these guys. <laughs> Um, Shatner is thirty. He was born in thirty one, so he's gonna be. He's like seventy. He's like seventy nine. He'll be seventy nine this year. Okay, so let's look at a picture of William Shatner in twenty nineteen. <laughs> this man does not look that old. Now, how old is his hair, though? Okay, look, he can reverse his aging process, but he can't regrow hair yet. Which that would fall under stem cell. I, I'm assuming, right? I'm not sure about his hair. Oh, his hair has been gone for forever. I mean, he looks like he's got a good head of hair. Now. No, no, so that's a that's a piece. Plenty of stories about that. That's a commonly known thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how accurate these pictures are, but he doesn't look that old. Wow. Like, how old is the Kurzweil dude? Let's see. Probably. I think he might be a little older or younger. I don't know. He's seventy-one. Kurzweil, okay. But even him, I mean, he looks pretty good for his age. And yeah. Supplements. What supplements does Ray Kurzweil take? Here's the first video that popped up. I've got it down to about 100 pills a day. I'll mention two. Phosphatidylcholine actually replaces a lipid that is plentiful when we're a baby, and it's depleted by the time we're an elderly person, and that makes the skin supple and also actually helps all the cells in, in your body do their job. Another, which is a, actually a prescription drug, metformin, uh, not only helps with glucose management, uh, but is a caloric restriction mimetic. It actually has the same changes as eating less. And it's been recently discovered uh, kills cancer stem cells, so it helps prevent cancer. Wow. I got so this guy's real serious about this shit. Like, he, he's done the research... Now, what was his, his involvement with Kurzweil pianos? He invented the first synthesized piano. So not the first synthesizer, but he 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 basically patented what would it become a synthesized piano. So, he, so like my an electric piano. Yeah, but the early ones. <clears throat> so gotcha. the ones the the very early ones that sounded pretty. I mean, they sound they didn't really sound like. But pianos, was he already they, in the business of making pianos? <clears throat> he um. He created a, a machine when he was very young that composed music on its own. Hmm. It was like one of the first things he did. Wow. And there's like on that documentary, there's like video of him bringing it on a talk show. Well, we basically have robots making music now in a lot of ways. Yes, we totally do. And uh, that's a huge thing over in, I think it's Japan or whatever these, there's a certain name for it. It escapes me at the moment. But you know what I'm talking about where they're, they have these pop stars that are not even real. They're just basically robots. Yeah. They're ran by... Um, uh, what's the technology? It's basically a voice bot. Yeah. So they synthesize the voice. And really interestingly, like Hatsu uh, Miku, Miku um, she's a pop star. So you can download her voice pack on the internet and then write a Miku song as a fan, program it, really produce it, wow. put it on the website, and then the fans basically vote on what the popular songs and if your song becomes a very popular one then it'll be one of the ones that she performs at her concert that is so crazy yeah so the the fans are literally creating the music for her in some cases that's sort of like the uh the miley cyrus uh 
what was the show? Uh, Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> man, so crazy. Well, cool. Well, all right, man. I think we're going to wrap this up, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, do it again soon. Uh, I'm JP. I'm JOA. And we'll talk to you later.